Would you turn with me to First Chronicles in the Old Covenant, First Chronicles 12 and verse 32. I've ministered on this before, and uh, I remember the first time I ministered this scripture on this particular subject. We were at the Holy Church of God, 920 East Sitka Street in Sulphur Springs, Florida. Uh, it was a Sunday morning service, and uh, uh, there was a man attending that service whose dad was a graduate of Liberty University uh, Baptist uh, Seminary, uh, and he's also set on the uh, Board of Regents of the Liberty Baptist Church, that big one, uh, and uh, and Jerry Falwell was the pastor of that church. And uh, his dad uh, was, a, like I say, a graduate. And he was also a, uh, a Sunday school, set on the Board of Regents of Liberty University and also a, an adult Sunday school teacher in a large Baptist church himself. And uh, his son sent him a tape of that Sunday morning service. And uh, number one, for him to listen to a Pentecostal preacher was a miracle in itself, and we're grateful for that. But to quote me to his Sunday school class was even better, because he heard me read this scripture, but I didn't have my Bible open, and I didn't quote the text. I just quoted the scripture in, that I remembered. And evidently, he didn't have his concordance with him. This was a day before, when, when I was preaching this message back then, we didn't even have smartphones. We didn't have the kind of computers you have now. We didn't have Windows on the computer as a program. I'm dating myself. You remember? Use the old DOS DOS system. And it was a black and white screen, and you had to put in things just right to get it to do anything, and you were scared to death. You would put it in wrong, and it would freeze up. And, and it, was, it wasn't fun. It was... It was real and it was good, but it wasn't real good. Can you say amen? So, but, but he quoted it to his Sunday school class, the adult Sunday school class in a large Baptist church. And, of course, after the, the Sunday school, the people were very interested in that scripture. And a very learned man came up to him and said, where is that in the Bible? Well, you know, if you're going to teach Sunday school, you need to be able to verify it with the Bible. Well, he didn't, I guess, have his concordance with him. He went into panic mode uh, to make sure it was biblical because he heard it from a Pentecostal preacher, and he didn't know what school of theology I graduated from. If he did, he wouldn't have listened to the tape. <laughs> Amen. There, there's a, there is a, 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 a Church of God Bible College called Lee College in Cleveland, Tennessee, but I've never been there. I read all my uncle's books from there, all that he uh, had to uh, have a, you know, what, whatever he got from there. But I always tell people when they say, what Bible college did you graduate from? And I always tell them, Knee College. It's not Lee College, but it's close to it. I had to pray and ask God to help me because when I first started ministering, took the Holy Church of God, I was working full-time for Tampa Electric Company, and uh, we would be going in on a on a Sunday night or a Wednesday night, and I would hit the button on the glove compartment. The door would come open, and I'd have a little, and I could read it without glasses. It's unbelievable. I had one of those little pocket New Testaments. I had my big Bible, you know, my big reference Bible that I used to preach. But this, it, you know, this was just so convenient to lay it up there and look at it. 
Say, Lord, show me. Not only show me what, what you want me to preach, but show me what it means so I can accurately bring your word to your people. So I'm still studying the word of God. Long story, a little bit longer. Amen. He absolutely was in a panic mode. Said, ask your preacher where that is in the Bible. <laughs> and he said, well, you know, I'm not going to see him till next Sunday. And he, so anyway, he finally found a Strong's exhaustive concordance, and he found through, through the word, the sons of Issachar, uh, understanding of the times, he was able to find the scripture. And he was relieved, and he said, tell your pastor that he quoted it just like it's written in the Bible. And I thought, good. Uh, you know, because people look at your suspect if you're in a small church and you don't have degrees and all of those things. But the Holy Spirit is called the Spirit of Truth. Now, here's something I don't believe. I don't believe in the Pentecostal adage of old. Without studying, without seeking, without really getting down in the Word to know what it says and means, just open your mouth and God will fill it. That used to be the attitude. So we had a guy come to our church. He really inspired a lot of people, but he didn't inform anybody. He got them all worked up. And I'll tell you, when a preacher preaches under the anointing, uh, people respond to that anointing. And if you can hit a high C on the organ while he's doing it, a lot of time people get, you know, they get, yeah, they, it, it inspires people. Little boy was praying for his daddy uh, before the service, four years old. And, and he had heard his daddy praying, help me to inspire the people today. He got it mixed up and said, Lord, please help daddy to perspire the people today. Amen. I've done that a few times, I believe. God is good today. Isn't he good? Listen to this scripture. Because it's important to the time that we are living the Bible said, and of the children of Issachar, this is part of David's mighty men. Remember when David went and hid from Saul in the cave of Adullam? And people that were in debt and discouraged, and, and uh, they, they came to, to David because David, through faith, had slain this giant. And when they came out of this time they spent learning from David how to walk in faith and trust in God. They came out not like they came in. They went in as defeated, depressed, discouraged, distracted men. But they came out David's mighty men of valor. And they did exploits under the anointing and direction of God that was just as great as David slaying the giant. When a man kills a lion with a stick, he's under the anointing. Can you say, man? When somebody runs through a, a troop of armed soldiers and they can't... Uh, he, these were, this was, it was an explosion of the anointing and an explosion of faith. And God caused everyday people that had everyday issues and problems getting them down to come out... Men of faith and power. David's mighty men of valor. That's why I believe so much in teaching along with preaching. But we had a preacher come. And here's what he said. He said, I got my double. He was Holy Ghost preacher. Thank God for him. You couldn't learn anything under his ministry. You could shout. And I've seen people shout. 
all over the house. But go home without being delivered, without being healed, without being helped in their life. I've seen people fall out under the power of God. It was so overwhelming. And get up as sick as they were as they went to the floor. And the presence of God is wonderful. But if we don't have faith to believe Him, if we don't understand how to receive from Him, you can have a shouting good time and stay sick. You can have a shouting good time and stay defeated. You can have a shouting good time and stay depressed. You say, Brother Bimble, not if we run around the church every Sunday. Honey, I have been in church with Spirit-filled people for over 40 years. And I've seen people get that spiritual high we all get. I love the presence of God. I love the anointing. When I'm talking about liver shivers, I get them. And I appreciate them. And I love to get in that deep into God's presence. But the Bible, you're not perishing because you're not exposed to the presence of God. You don't go into captivity because you're not getting blessed on Sunday morning. My people perish for lack of knowledge. My people go into captivity. They're bound for lack of knowledge. So don't let the mighty man glory in his might, the wise man in his wisdom, and the rich man glory and boast in his money. But he that boasts, let him boast in this, that he knows and understands me, saith God, that I am the Lord that executes judgment and righteousness and mercy in all of the earth. For in these things I delight, saith the Lord. Jeremiah 3.15 says, I'll give you shepherds after my heart. Not just the ones you want to give you a tickle on the ear or a liver shiver on Sunday morning, but I will give you shepherds after my own heart. And they will feed you with that that will keep you from bondage and keep you from destruction. They will feed you with knowledge and understanding. I want to tell you something. Since I've seen this veneer of spirituality that doesn't produce fruit or victory, I have decided at some point in the preaching, there's got to be some teaching going on. They that do know their God are going to be radically changed. They're not going to be these little... That's why this... I can't... I can never... Don't, I'm not critical of anyone. If I ever hear you singing this little lot of mine, that's great. I just can't sing harmony with you. If you keep seeing yourself, your testimony for Christ is so infinitesimal. Your, your fruit of the Spirit, your, your living here in a time such as this is so absolutely uh, unnecessary to anything because you're, you're, this light is so small in, in the face of all of this darkness. No, it is not small. It is not small. It is not small. The light that you have is a light that is brighter than the noonday sun, for you have Jesus. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Praise God. And that's how, that's how Paul, Saul of Tarsus, saw him. I saw a light, and it was like a laser. And I, it, it, listen, 
he was going to get saved or get killed on that day. But he wasn't going to go on his mission to keep bothering Christians. Can you say, man? I'm glad he got saved. Because he wrote 13 of the 27 books of the New Testament so we could know something. Amen. They that do know their God will be strong and do exploits. Literally translated, they will be steadfast and take action. Hallelujah. Blessed is the man that knows and understands God. Not just knows Him through some spiritual experience, but knows Him by revelation. The church is not built on shouting Christians, but people who know who Jesus is by revelation. I heard a preacher the other day talking about, and it, you know, the Roman Catholic Church made a whole religion out of it. But they were talking about Peter being the rock upon which Christ built his church. And I thought, Lord, have mercy on us if he was the rock. He was too much like us. And we were too much like him. Jesus asked him the pointed question. And he didn't ask the doctor. And he didn't ask the tax collector. Amen. He asked Jesus. Or Jesus asked Peter. Peter the fisherman. He didn't. And Peter didn't hesitate to ask this great theological question. Who do men say that I am? What are they saying about me? And Peter immediately said, some say you're Elijah come back. That you're, you're Elijah manifest in flesh. You're, you're this, you're that. He said, okay, I understand all of that speculation. Who do you say that I am? And without skipping a beat, see knowledge, revelation knowledge. The fisherman says, you are the Christ. You're the son of the living God. And Jesus immediately responded, and thou art Peter. And you know what the word for Peter is? Petros. P-E-T-R-O-S. Petros. Which means a little pebble. I got a theologian here helping me. A little pebble. Everybody say a little pebble. And upon this rock. Oh, by the way, in between he said, yeah, and flesh and blood didn't reveal it. Now, here's something to think about. It's food for thought. You, as a Christian, with access to the Holy Spirit, and He has access to you, the Bible said you have no need that any man teach you. And yet, part of the fivefold ministry is teachers. And I'm going to tell you something else about the fivefold ministry. There's not just a distinct separation when it comes to pastor and teacher. If a pastor's worth his salt, he's got to teach you something. Not just give you a liver shiver. Not just stimulate you to shout. You've got to know something when you leave that you didn't know when you went in. Or you knew it and you wasn't really taking it to heart like you needed to. Can you say amen? Flesh and blood did not reveal this unto you. The Bible said you have no need that any man teach you, and yet they saw Jesus as a teacher sent from God. Of course, he was God incarnate. Well, what's he's talking about? Listen, the Word of God, when the Word of God is used to teach, 
And the Holy Spirit is working in you to see and understand truly what the Word is saying to you. The man in the suit, the man with the microphone, amen, is transcended by the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. If the man's just telling you what he thinks and what he speculates, that's no good at all. But if he's telling you what the Word of God says, amen, then God is teaching you by the Holy Spirit and His Word. And the Bible said that seed getting in a good ground heart, it'll bring forth fruit to 30, 60, and 100 fold. And that's what I look for in somebody that is growing in Jesus and growing in Christ likeness and growing in devotion to God because faithfulness and giving and all the other stuff will take care of itself. Don't even have to preach on it. It'll be a natural result. Of growing up in God. Hallelujah. Flesh and blood did not reveal this but my Father. And upon this rock. What rock? The revelation of who Jesus is by the Spirit of God. I will build my church. Amen. The little rock was Peter. Petrus. And upon this Petra. The Greek word. So similar yet so different. I mean, no, a granite mountain is way different than a pebble. And the Petra is like a granite mountain. Praise God. And upon that revelation, and by the way, who is he? Who is he that overcomes the world anyway? And all of Satan's devices and all of the influence of the culture and all of the minions and demons in hell. Who is he that overcomes this world that is so intent on blinding and binding and destroying him? Who is he that overcomes but he that believes what? What the church is built on. That Jesus is the Son of God. So the liver shiver thing is not working in and of itself. If you know all this stuff and you get a blessing on top of that, that's just a bonus. But if you don't know these foundational fundamental truths, you're going to live in defeat while shouting. I, I, when, when I first was speaking, at my first pastorate was on, in Plant City, Florida. And I remember we had a service when heaven came down and kissed the earth and we were in the middle of the smack. I mean, it was one of those Holy Ghost shouting, devil chasing, hallelujah, we got the victory services. And there was a lady that came up for prayer because the anointing was flowing. And, and uh, she came up for prayer and, and she was sincere and I was sincere in praying. And I'm not making light of her fun of her i'm not speaking in some bad way of her i'm telling you the devil will cheat you while you're shouting victory if you don't get something more than just the presence of god that you feel he will cheat you out of it he would rather you quit seeking truth and knowledge we had it we had, we used the balcony at the holy church of god but when pastor taught the bible in the Bible class, we had eight people out of over a hundred. Because no one's receiving a word from the Lord. I had a lady call me one time for prayer. As I was praying, the Holy Ghost rose up in me. And it went into a personal prophetic word for her. 
or an interpretation of tongues for her. How it occurred and which one it was, it was for her. And she saw it as God speaking to her. But she got hooked on that gift. And I kept getting calls for prayer. And I prayed. But the Holy Ghost did not unction another message. And I could sense her disappointment. Because she called to get another word from the Lord. But she never came to church to get the word of the Lord. You know what I'm talking about. We go back a little ways. And the lady that I prayed for, she said, Brother Venable, if God don't move. And she presented her case and her heart was broken. And I sympathized and empathized and prayed with compassion. And the Holy Ghost hit her. Oh, man, she went out under the power of God. And I'm glad there were some catchers because I've seen people go down without a catcher. I saw your daughter go down and, and break her head, break the end. It put a knot on her head. But i tell you, it kind of scared me, to be honest. I said, Lord, if you don't have this. And he said, I got it. And I told her, God's got it. And I'm glad he did got it. Because if, 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 when, you, when you break the end off a wooden altar with your head... Honestly, a little piece came off the altar. We had to pick it up. You know? I mean, don't get in the flesh. Make sure it's the Holy Spirit. Can you say, man? When she got up off of that floor, she shouted all over that building. And I thought, victory, victory shall be mine. Victory, victory shall be mine. Behold my peace and let the Lord fight my battle. Victory shall be mine. And I shout in victory. Hallelujah. We prayed. She was discouraged and just defeated. But now she's shouting the high praises of God all over this building. Glory to God. What a service we had. And it was a service like that. At the end of the entire service. By the way, when she got victory... She had been down so long, everybody got some victory. It seemed like we all shouted victory. Amen. Shout with them that shout. Rejoice with them that rejoice is the scripture. But at the end of the service, I began to get my education as a minister. She came to me. She was out from under that glow of the Holy Spirit now. We're back in where we have to live out. You can't live in that state. We will one day, but we'll have to have a glorified body <laughs> to stand it. She came up to me and said, Pastor Venable, please pray for me. I'm not making fun. I'm making a point. Please pray for me. I don't know what I'm going to do. God don't help me. And I thought, what just happened here? If there was ever an opportunity to believe God and release your faith, this ought to be it. He was all over you like ugly on an ape. Amen. <laughs> Come on. He was on you like a tick on a dog. God was on you, girl. Amen. Won't you just release your faith and get some victory? What, what do you want him to do? You run all over the building. You shouted victory. And now you're back in the same state you were before we even prayed. My people perish for a lack of knowledge. 
So I had eight people in Sunday school. And a hundred, over a hundred, immature, unlearned, people in the congregation wanting a word from the Lord while hands were laid. Everything, everything was geared to the end of the service when the anointing was going to take care of the lack of knowledge. The anointing is to help you have that knowledge. When he, the what, the one who touches you and, and blesses you and heals you and helps, when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. If you continue, John 8, 30 and 31, if you, if, somebody say, if, didn't the, say if, it's real important because you divorce the if from it. You just say, didn't it say the truth will make you free? No, it didn't. No, you don't get there till you go somewhere else first. It doesn't, oh, yes, that is a scripture, but it's not in context. I walked into the break room and a man asked me when I was bivocational. He said, doesn't the Bible say the truth will make you free? I said, No. No! If you want to talk Bible, let's talk what the Bible says, not what you heard somebody say one or two times out of context. People out of church, no interest in the Word of God. People want to get in a healing line, no faith to receive when they get there. Because faith comes by hearing. And hearing by? Oh, hallelujah. Somebody's getting it in here. Amen. If you continue in my word, you will know the truth. And then it's going to make you free. And it's going to keep you free. Free from error. Free from bondage. Free from fear. Free from all of that that the devil wants to layer into your life. Free from discouragement. That word is what? It's a lamp to my feet. It is a light to my pathway. Can you say, man, you don't have any need that any man teach you what only comes by revelation of the Holy Spirit while a man is teaching? Do you get it? Do you see that? He's put teachers, pastors and teachers, really should be read pastors and pastor and teacher. I believe they are teaching ministries, but a pastor has to have it too, or he can't pastor because he can't feed the flock of God. Because the food for the flock of God is what? I will give you pastors after my own heart, and they will feed you with knowledge and understanding. Hallelujah. Glory. There are people in this city that know I'm a man of God. There are people that know I teach the truth of the Word of God. But they won't leave the entertaining choir. They won't leave the prestigious church. Amen. To come and support what they know to be God's man and God's work and God's Word. They won't leave that because they're steeped in that religious entertainment and that image. One man that comes here said his son would come here, but he's too proud. 
I thought, I hope he never really needs a touch from God. Because God resists the proud. It don't matter how what church you're in, how beautiful the stained glass windows are, how great the choir sings. God resists the proud. But he gives grace to the humble. Can you save? Remember the man? Remember that Assyrian captain that contacted leprosy? And he was a man of means and he was a man of prestige. Down in Assyria, he was a big shot. But when he got leprosy, what did they do with people? Not just because of the Jewish law, but the contamination. He was an outcast. He was going to die and it was going to disfigure him before it killed him. And he had a Jewish housekeeper, a Jewish maid. And she said, well, I like her faith. She said, there's a God down in Israel that can heal you. Our God can do anything. If you go down to the prophet, he can tell you about Jehovah. He's not like the gods of the Assyrians and the false gods. He's a real God. And nothing's too hard for him. Boy, hope came alive. He went down to, he said, where's the, where's the prophet's house? He went down to Elijah's house. Knocked on the door. And Elijah's servant came to the door. Gehazi. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> and he said, I want to see the prophet. He said, well, he's busy right now. Huh? What do you need? He said, I need healing. I need healing. And you know what he needed before he could even get healing? He needed humility. He needed to reject that pride. Can you say, man, God does what? He resists the proud. But he gives grace to the humble. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. And he will exalt you in due season. Not when you think you're ready. Not when I think I'm ready. Obviously, I'm not ready yet for a whole lot of that. And I've been doing this all this time. But I'm going to tell you something. If it would make me proud when I need a prayer answered, I'll take whatever it takes to keep me humble. By the way, it don't take a lot to get me and keep me humble. I get real sick. <laughs> I, oh, I don't pray like, Oh, Lord, heal your servant, for your servant has all faith. I get down in the floor and say, Help me, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Come on, church. When I'm sick, I need some help. I don't need to impress God with my spirituality. I let Him see, Lord, I need you today. i got to have you today. Come on, Jesus. Give me patience and hurry. Can you say, man, I love you, Lord. Glory to God. Stuart Briscoe teaches around the world. His wife, Jill Briscoe, teaches, co-teaches with him. They have stood beside some of the greatest preachers uh, known in the, the, the convention circuit. And someone asked him, Stuart, how do you and your wife keep the victory? How do you always stand like you stand as so true to God? How does your marriage last like it's lasted? How do you work? Oh, I, I, they just wanted to know the source of his victory and he said okay I'll tell you he said when the pressure is on and the heat is on and I feel like I'm being overwhelmed I go in the living room I pull the drapes I get down on my face in the floor and I cry out to God for help I thank God for that testimony amen Hallelujah, because if you think to get an answer, you've got to stand on a mountaintop and declare your strength. 
That's not how it comes. It's when you understand your weakness and your desperate need for God and become dependent on Him. That He will hear your faintest cry and He will answer by and by. Hallelujah. Though there be no fruit upon the vine, the prophet says. It's getting tough around here. There's no fruit on the vine. There's no cattle in the stalls. Amen. The crops have failed. We don't have any meat to eat. It's tough. Though these conditions exist... Yet, I will trust in thee. For he will make my feet like hinds feet. One translation said, he will make me not stand still in fear, stymied by fear. He will cause me to make progress on my high places of test and trial and responsibility. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. I said, I said the trial will cause me to make progress because he's not going to take the trial away, but he's going to change something in me. He's going to take these old wavering, weak, faltering feet and make them like the feet in that case of a deer. Or a, can you, can you vision, envision a mountain goat? Can you see him jumping from place to place? In these high places. He lives up there. He's designed to live up there. God didn't change the circumstance. He changed the man. And that way the man can stand. Until the circumstance changes. So it don't start with the circumstance changing. It starts with you and me changing. So we can stand still. Not run in panic, not fall down in fear, but stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. The armor is so you can what? Having done all, stand. Glory be to God. Stand ye therefore. Wow. What happens when He changes you and He changes me? Glory to God. He will make your feet like hinds feet and make you to make progress during that dark, discouraging time rather than stand still in discouragement stymied by fear. Hallelujah. What a great God He is. Oh, and His ways are above our ways because here's my way. Lord, I don't want to go through this anymore. Lord, I don't like this. Lord, in the name of Jesus, take it away. Thank you, Lord. I, I'm so glad it's gone. One thing about knowledge and understanding, you don't necessarily like all you're going to know and understand. You pray for patience. Because tribulation bringeth forth patience. I just want patience. I just want, I want him, you know, drop it in me. I don't want to go through anything and develop. But if I'm going to go through it anyway, I'd like to know the process so I can trust God through it. And not think he's unfaithful. And not think the devil's got the upper hand. Because he doesn't. God is in control. And he that's in you is always greater. Never forget that. 
So I set myself to go forward and say I'm going to do my best to teach. Charismatic, full gospel, Pentecostal. Most people come in through the door shouting and think they know more than the preacher people. Don't look at me that way. I've done this too long. I know. Because eventually they'll get around to letting me know that they think they know more than the person God has sent to teach them. You can't Listen, if someone comes in your class and they're a math prodigy and they finished college when they were 12 years old and you start giving the basics of some of the math, the higher math, are they going to sit and let you No, they're going to stand up and let you know that they know more than you know. Well, if they are graduate and a math prodigy, they probably do. But if they're sheep, they absolutely do not. Amen? Now, I'm a sheep, too. I love the way Kathy put it. Kathy that led our singing for years. She said, Brother Venable, I want to be what I see you as, but I want to be it too. I want to help. I, I want to follow Jesus really close. She said, I want to be a bell sheep. And I never heard the term, but I decided I'm going to find out what a bell sheep is. And I went and found out what a bell sheep is. One sheep out of the whole herd would get so close to the shepherd, and he would get so close to that sheep that he put a bell around that sheep's neck. So when all the sheep went out all over and scattered all over the pasture, and the shepherd said, it's time to go back, he didn't call the whole herd. He called the bell sheep. And when the bell sheep started running to the shepherd, the bell started clanging. And the other sheep looked up and said, what at? Who that? <laughs> Amen. And you know what? They followed the bell sheep who is following the shepherd. And you know what a pastor is? He's a sheep with a bell around his neck. He's not a know-it-all. He don't have it all. But he's been called, hallelujah, by the Lord to be a bell sheep. And that's why Paul said, follow me. Come on, bell. everybody say bell sheep. Follow me as I what? As I teach you all this, just do as I say. No, follow me. Follow. Listen, not being a Lord, not being, come on, we got them too. I've met them. Not being a Lord over God's heritage, but an example to the flock. And part of that example is humility. Not pride and self-sufficiency and self-exaltation. But the meekness, the kindness, and the love of Jesus Christ. While such a powerful anointing is flowing, amen, we're to maintain the character of Jesus Christ because it's for our own safety. Because if I fall into pride because God worked a miracle in his life and I begin to crow about my prayer of faith instead of the faithfulness of the God I talk to, amen, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And his grace is sufficient. Hallelujah. I've tested it over and over. I've needed it, and he's granted it. But I'm so glad that I learned something. 
Because if you didn't get it in the line, the healing line, the blessing line at church, when I first started into this thing, you were, you were hopeless. You had to get it through that touch that night. And so many people got the touch, but they didn't have the faith to receive. There were people touching Jesus all over the place. And nobody's getting nothing. The crowd was pushing in. I need this and I need... They were, they were all over him. But a woman with the issue of blood said, If I can but touch the hem of his garment, I believe I'm going to be healed. And her touch was like nobody else's. Remember when the disciples said, How will you manifest yourself to us exclusively and not the world? Because every time we walk out the door, people are pushing and shoving to get to you. So this crowd was all over the place. And this woman had suffered many things at the hand of physicians trying to help her, but they were doing her no good. You know what they used to do? She had an issue of blood. She was certainly anemic, weak, probably would have died had she not got healed. I can see her getting down on her hands and knees. She couldn't push all of those pushing, shoving people aside but i can because what was her focus the hem of his garment if i can touch him for that covering if i can do lord what naomi did ruth and naomi if i could do what ruth did amen while boaz is sleeping go grab his garment down at his ankles and pull it over your head ask him to cover you amen that's the significance of the hem of his garment The anointing was all over him. He was the embodiment of the anointing. She said, though, if I can touch... This is the point of contact for her faith. If I can but touch the hem of his garment, I know I'm going to be healed. Before I touch it, I know I'm going to be healed. And when I touch it, I will be healed. Hallelujah. And she come through that crowd and crawled through it on hands and knees. And as he passed by, reached out and grabbed the hem of his garment. And in the midst of the press, he said what? Who touched me? And they said, what? Come on. They did. They're all over you. They're, everybody's pushing us out of the way to get to you. Oh, but this touch wasn't like those people. Anyone else's touch. It was a touch with faith. And the Bible said, and virtue flowed. He felt it flowing. He didn't, she didn't have to cry and ask him for anything. She knew, listen, Jesus is passing by. Uh, he's a healer. Oh, no, he doesn't reject those that come to him in faith. That's happening now because we don't come in faith. Can you say, we're, we're attributing he heals some, he doesn't heal others. God is no respecter of persons. You need to settle it. Well, I know a person that had all the faith in the world. You don't know how much faith they had. You don't know their heart. God knows that. Man looks on the outward appearance and maybe you were highly impressed. But the only thing that's going to impress me is answered prayer. Can you say man? You can shout. You can jump. You can testify. But if you can't get a prayer answered, what is the point? Oh, somebody praise God in this place. You're here for more than trying to get you worked up and send you home in defeat. You've been worked up before. 
And I saw a man come to our church and he was anointed. And it was good preaching. You didn't know any more when he was done than when he started. So we could go home and say, Wow, you should have been there today. We shouted all over that house. One husband quizzed his wife after one of those really wonderful services. What did he preach? I think it was Thessalonians or, or maybe it was Corinthians or, or, or maybe, maybe it was Isaiah or Zechariah. You know, I really don't remember. Well, what was the point of the sermon? I, I, I don't know. My people perish. Lack of knowledge. My people go where? Into captivity for the same reason. There's bondage in the Pentecostal camp with all the shouting, dancing, all of the tongue talking. There is bondage. There are people bound in the Pentecostal community with all of that power available, all of that power flowing in a service without any victory, without any help in trouble, defeated, depressed, defrauded from what is theirs in Christ. For one reason, lack of knowledge. And not general knowledge of the Bible, specific to knowing and understanding me, saith God. Remember ancient Israel as we close. They come out of Egypt, immediately begin to doubt, come to the point of their disbelief and unbelief. Howbeit, Not all that came out of Egypt went into the promised land. (laughs) And the scripture said, can God God feed us in the wilderness? How can God make a way out here where there's nothing for him to make a way with? And they yearned for the flesh pots of Egypt. And when God sent the manna from above, that manna from above... They got to the point that they said, Our soul loatheth this light bread. Everything was in that bread that they needed to be sat. Oh, by the way, the, you know what manna is? Manna? Some people are looking at me funny. Honey, you're in church this morning. You're not in your little circle. Amen. God's Word is stronger than your opinions today. You need to understand that. I'm not interested in your opinion. I'm interested in what saith the Lord. And I'm not interested in what somebody said he said by saying, thus saith the Lord. I'm interested in what the Word said. Because you've got to check the prophet out by the Word. Or you're going to get a false prophet leading you down a false path. I just don't want to see any more holy hype and see people defeated. I want to feed the flock of God. And I want to see them like the sign that I saw in a country novelty store. Showed a sheep, boy, look this big around. It says, use not fat. E-W-E, use not fat, get it? Use just fluffy. Amen. Well, I want to see some fattened up sheep. I don't want to see emaciated sheep in his pasture. I don't want to see defeated sheep. I don't want to see sick sheep in his pasture. Sick all the time. I'm not talking about nothing wrong with being sick. I get sick. But there ought to be a God that could help us. Can you say, man? 
We've been teaching it for years. We've been preaching it for years. Some churches don't even want the Holy Spirit to say anything during the service. He's relegated to the back room. And maybe you think that's okay. But if you ever need a miracle, you better get the Holy Ghost out of the back room. Can you say amen? And if the businessman that's writing that big check is offended, let him go to the dead church. Amen. And let God take care of you. You don't have to have that businessman's approval all the time to keep him in your church so you can build your edifice. What we need is God to be able to move freely among His people. And us to hear the joyful sound coming from God's people once again. Blessed are the people that hear what? The joyful sound. That sound of victory. When Israel shouted, hallelujah, victory. They said when they, when they celebrated their victories in the Feast of Tabernacles, their victory over Pharaoh and Pharaoh's army and coming out of Egypt, when they celebrated, they said, you had never heard. You had never heard. You had never heard in your lifetime at any celebration anywhere for anything a sound like they gave when they shouted to God for their victories. Go to a Jewish... I'm talking about back then when he had set them free and restored them. Hallelujah. What did it say? When they came out of Babylon, God restored those walled cities that had been burned to the ground. They were no longer slaves to, 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 to Babylon, <laughs> Nebuchadnezzar. What, what did it say? It said when God, and it's going to happen again. I'm almost done, but it's going to happen again. Now, I want to live long enough to see it, Brother Hobbs. When God, see my people go into captivity for lack of knowledge. But when we get it figured out and we get a revelation and a realization of God, truth and apply it to our life it's going to turn around when God turned again the captivity of Zion what happened we were as those that dream when it gets too good to be true you're going to pinch yourself you're going to say is this a dream this just can't be my church that can't be my preacher getting victory if he don't get enough offering he looks so sad Berates us. Well, if you were the source, only you and God was out of the picture, I'd be sad too if people quit on me. But if God is my source, that don't mean we don't have to have people, but God will make a way. And God's going to send somebody. He's never failed to send somebody. And I don't have to cut the word. And I don't have to compromise the truth. Can you say man? In fact, it's that stance that causes God to send somebody. And there are people here right now that would not be here if it wasn't for the truth that's declared here. You would not be in this building. But you're here today. And I believe it's not my magnetic personality that brought you here. Say amen real loud. Not that loud. I believe it's God's anointing. I believe it's God's truth. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We are in the kingdom for such a time as this right here. So the man that came to our church that inspired everyone. I went into Arby's to get my son a sandwich late last night. 
or something of that. Yeah, it was a sandwich. But anyway, went in Arby's. No, I went to get my sweetheart a apple turnover. And they had five cherry. But my wife wanted an apple. And I looked up there and I seized me one apple. And I said, boy, there's a lot of people around here eyeballing that apple. And people at the drive-in window, too. But if, but if I could get that. See, I don't need to go to the fair. I want that apple turnover for my baby. My baby don't play with toys no more. She eat apple pies and drink coffee. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. I want that from. Didn't I stay in there looking for that apple turnover? I said, is that an. I didn't want to go, but I went anyway. All that, all, listen. All that, listen, I was wore out. I said, that I don't, you know, from outside, you can't see all they got on the shelf. I was wore out. And I, and she said, go check anyway. And I thought, okay, I will. But after I got in there, I thought, but if I could find one, I'll be a hero tonight. I'm going to be a hero. <laughs> and I said, you got any apple turnovers? I saw one over on the apple side. She said, we only got one. I said, that's all I need. <laughs> she gave it to me and said, have a good night, sir. And I said, I will. Because I brought that apple turnover to my baby. We got home and she said, make me some decaf. I said, I will. I tell you. I tell you, don't you just envy her having a man like me. Glory to God. No, you shouldn't envy. You shouldn't envy. Just stop. Stop it. Stop it. Hallelujah. There's, there's no more like me. I started to say there's plenty out there like me, but there isn't. There's only one me, one you. And God loves you. Don't ask me why. We'll ask him when we get there. But he loves you so much he gave his son for you. The son loved you so much he hung on the cross for you. He stayed on it for you and for me. And he wants us to know the love of God. Listen, filled with the fullness of God was was how often I spoke in tongues, whether or not I could interpret a message or prophesy. That's Pentecostal perspective. And all of that is good stuff, God stuff. But listen, the, the Bible said that you might know. Here's that knowledge again, that you might know what is the length, the breadth, the depth, and the height, and to be, what is that dimensions of, of the infinite love of God, that you might know the love that passes knowledge, and that you might comprehend, understand what is the length, the, of the dimensions of infinite love. You can't do that. You, you can't put that into a mathematical formula or a theological formula. You have to experience the love of God is shed or brought in your heart by the Holy Ghost and only by Him. That you might know what is the length and breadth and depth and height and be filled with all the fullness of God. Now, all the fullness of God, you won't just talk in tongues. When you talk in English, you won't criticize if you're filled with the fullness of God. I know people talk in tongues, they'll eat you up if you cross them. Give me fist bump. We've been to church, hadn't we? (laughs) 
That's not filled with the fullness of God. And the tongues without the love that cancels out that attitude are sounding brass, tinkling cymbal. And we put them in a spiritual category of maturity. And maturity is becoming more like Jesus. So I want to see people become more like him. And I want to become more like my master. For a disciple of Jesus is not just knowing what your teacher knows. It is becoming what your teacher is. There's a vast difference. And that only comes through the fruit of the Spirit. And that only comes through the Word of God being taken to heart and applied to the life. So, I'm a strange duck because I'm not impressed by what makes some people shout. Because I know no matter how high you jump, you're going to have to come down and walk this thing out in your life. It's got to become a personal reality to help you. So the man came and he didn't teach anything during the sermon. He talked about victory, which is a great thing and a great theme. But here's what brought people out of their seats. Lifted them up to give them that Holy Ghost high for just a little bit. He got under the anointing. I have no doubt it was the anointing, but he didn't see the need to teach. I wasn't taught much in my early formative years in the Pentecostal church. Everybody wanted him to hush preaching so they could get in the line and inject victory and inject healing and inject Jesus didn't even heal anybody without them having receiving faith as your faith be so be it unto you he never overrode anyone's unbelief to heal them they had to have faith to receive do you believe that I'm able to do this thing why would he ask you a question what do you want me to do I'm blind. Duh. Can you say he wasn't disrespectful? But you know, it's obvious. He's God. He wants the man to state his need and believe him for it. Lord, that I might receive my sight. As your faith be, so be it unto you. Boom. Another one, go wash in the pool of Siloam. Why? What, what? Go do it. Whatever he says to you, do it. Act on your faith. You've got to use your faith. God designed it that way. It's a law of faith. Without faith, you can't please Him. Because He can't bless you. He can't help you. And you've got a shepherd with sheep that look like they're unattended. And the shepherd is judged by the shape of his sheep. If his sheep are got an eyeball hanging out because a wolf almost killed him. If the sheep are emaciated, if the sheep have, have hurts on their head and there's no oil to pour in it, oh, come on, church, and the flies have laid eggs in it and it's festering. Where is that shepherd? What kind of shepherd would let his sheep get in that condition? If half of them had been mauled by a bear, the other half eaten by a lion, where is that anointed shepherd that's supposed to keep them from that hurt and keep them from that harm? What is wrong with him? Oh, 
I don't want victory so I can just testify. Oh, I don't want victory so I can watch TV without pain. I have a shepherd king that I represent. I want victory so people will know I serve a good shepherd. I serve a great shepherd. I have a mighty God. Hallelujah. I don't know the little God who can't do anything for anybody. Am I not great? Am I not good? Am I not mighty to save? Saith the Lord. You, you can't live off a of Pentecostal heritage from the past. I remember back in the day too. But we're not back in that day. We're right here in this day. And God wants to move in this day like he used to move in that day. But he needs people filled with knowledge and understanding so they have faith to receive. Because God is a generous God. And the Bible said he opens his hand. You don't have to pry it open by praying all night long. He opens his hand and satisfies the desire of every living thing. If you don't believe it, the New Testament says, go and look at the lily of the field. If you don't believe God is an open-handed supplying God, go look at the lily of the field. Doesn't toil, doesn't spin. But Solomon in all his glory was not clothed as one of these. If your father, if your father, if your knowledge of God, understanding of how God works, who He is. Listen, if your father so clothed the lily of the field, won't He clothe you? Oh, you of what? Of what? Little faith. I got to close. You got to get this preacher done so we can send him home and send the people home. I'll never forget what got everybody out of their seat. And got them shouting that night. And I wanted to jump up and shout too, but I didn't hear anything worth shouting for. I got to hear something. I want to know something. Not just feel something. He said, I got my double barrel shotgun. Filled with Holy Ghost buckshot. He reared back and said, and I'm going to let the devil have it with both barrels. And everybody, woo! I thought, okay. So what else do you have to say? That's big talk. Shoot, man, shoot. Amen? Amen. Come on, I want to see the devil running out of here. Wounded. I don't want to see him holding anybody in bondage. I don't want to see you having to pray for the same people for the same thing every single service. Because the devil's sitting back laughing. Talk all that talk all you want. 
Sticks and stones may break my bone, but words ain't going to hurt me. No, not the man's words, but I'll tell you what will hurt him. There's, a, there's the sword of the Spirit. It's too late. My sword is already packed up. When I was a boy, this would have done. <laughs> I, could, I could pretend. Amen. Taking the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Amen. The devil's coming at Jesus with temptation. Jesus got the sword, and he's saying, it is written. He comes again. He says, it is written. Knowledge. You've got to know what's written before you can quote what's written. But you need to know and say what is written. And now you say it loud and say it clear. If you believe he's Jehovah Rapha, amen, the Lord that healeth thee, you need to declare it. You need to know it and you need to say it. Hallelujah. I will put none of the diseases on you that have come upon Egypt. For I am Jehovah Rapha. I am the Lord thy physician. I am the Lord that healeth thee. Is there no balm in Gilead? Is there no physician there? Come on, have we shut down the hospitals? Are doctors not in hospitals? Is there not any healing balms down in Gilead? Gilead was known for healing balms and physicians to apply them. And God asked ancient Israel, sick with sin and sick with self and sick with defeat, enemies overcoming them, and said, isn't there a bomb in Gilead? Isn't there a physician there? Right down the road is St. Joseph's Hospital. Listen, is there not a physician there? Don't they have some penicillin in there? Don't they have some anti-venom if you get snake bit in that hospital? Amen. Can't they give you a blood transfusion? Can't they stitch you up? Hey, it's a hospital full of doctors and medicine. Don't die out in front of a hospital. But when the church is impotent and only preaches and teaches the Bible as those ancient stories, they're turning the Word of God into fables. And people are treating it. That was really great. That mythical place where God did these mighty things. There's no myth about this. Can you say, man, this is real. The life you're in is real. The struggles are real. The devil is real. And so is Jesus. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Brother, will you come? We better quit before. This is our last service here. I'm taking liberties. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. How many want to know and understand more about your God? And you want it defined where you can see it for yourself in the Word of God. Amen. I'm still learning. Sometimes I'm going down the road and somebody's teaching. And it's something clear in Scripture. They may not talk in tongues. Used to, if they didn't talk in tongues, I wouldn't pay them. Listen, if, if I don't know you're a tongue-talking preacher, I ain't got time to listen to anything you say. Well, if they're saying something true out of the Word, it's true whether they talk in tongues or not. I was on radio. And I found out. That my bias back before I grew in the Lord, other people had it too. I was on there with the Foundations for Faith broadcast in Tampa, Florida, WSOL. And 
station manager used to come to our church, play piano and sing. A lady knew my daddy, knew me. She went to an assembly of God. And she knew we were independent assembly of God. And, and she knew I was a Holy Ghost preacher. But the people listening to me teach on the radio didn't figure me out. They weren't caring about what I was teaching. They wanted to know whether I spoke in tongues or not. So I asked the station manager, is he Pentecostal? She said, oh, absolutely. I know his daddy. I've been to his church. And, and listen to this. This is what I'm talking about. Well, I've never heard him speak in tongues. Well, I didn't get on the radio to talk in tongues. I got on the radio to preach the gospel and teach the gospel so somebody can get saved. If somebody comes into your congregation and all they hear is tongues, nobody's going to get saved, delivered, set free. They're not going to know who Jesus is or what to do. And so Paul said, listen, I'm, this is not an anti-tongue message. Though I speak in tongues more than you all. Well, if he spoke in tongues more than them all, he was a tongue-talking preacher. Can you say man? But he said, when someone unlearned comes in here, while we're having a good time edifying ourselves in one another, I'd rather, though I speak 10,000 Come on, this is what he said. Though I, this is what he taught the church, the Spirit-filled church. Though I speak 10,000 words in other tongues, I'd rather speak five clearly so someone might know what to do. Because people are perishing for a lack of knowledge. And Pentecostals are not the exception. And they are not exempt. And I've seen so much defeat. Out of people who see themselves as spiritual. And God wants to change it. And of the children of Issachar, First Chronicles twelve thirty two, which were men that had understanding of the times to know what Israel ought to do. I like the paraphrase. It says of the tribe of Issachar, there were 200 leaders of the tribe with their relatives. All these men understood the signs of the times and knew the best course for Israel to take. That's what leadership is supposed to know. And that's what true spiritual leadership is supposed to do. Amen. Again, I want to ask a show of hands as we close. How many people want to know more about your God? Biblically, biblically. Is there any room to learn anymore? You haven't arrived. I'm not there. Well, how can you teach? Because the best teachers are the ones that are still learning themselves. Amen. It's the truth. Don't they send you to refresher courses? They don't think you know it all. You know a lot. Did you know this guy has a degree in, in, in his field? He has enough degrees, I believe, to become a principal of a school if he wanted to. He's got the qualifications, experience. He's head of, are you head of the math department? He's head of the math department. And yet, you know what they're going to do eventually? Send him to some course to either refresh what he knows or to give him more information so he can even be a better leader. Amen? And if he tells them, I know it all. 
I'm not going because I know it all. I met some people got a couple of spiritual gifts. You couldn't teach them anything. It was all God, God told me and God showed me. Not in the Word or through the Word, just that personal hotline to heaven that they're operating in. And you can't teach them nothing. And for a while, they run well. But I've watched so-called super spiritual people shipwreck. I've seen them defeated in the midst of battle. I've seen them go down and get trumped on by the devil because he don't care about that veneer and that facade that is put up. It doesn't bother him at all. But when you say it is written and you declare it and you apply it to your own life, he's got to back off. After the third time, Jesus quoted three scriptures out of the book of one book of the Bible, and it was the book of Deuteronomy in the Old Testament. Three scriptures, three, that he believed, that he obeyed, and that he declared. Submit yourself to God, resist him. How do you resist him? With the word of God. And he will do what? What he did to Jesus. The Bible said he left him, and he tempteth him no more that day. Even as goofy as he is, he knows when the Word of God is being quoted, he hasn't got a chance of overcoming. Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. Woo! My last service, I feel like just, I know I'm wore out, but I'm under the anointing. I'm going to go home and take a nap. Praise God. We'll come work tomorrow. How about it? God is good today. Will you stand to your feet? Let's give him some praise in this place. Hallelujah. Oh, what would happen if we made a move and hungry people came? They didn't care about the choir. They said, we don't care about the choir singing so well, giving us an emotional high. We need some information, not just inspiration. Can you say, man, tell us how to be healed. Tell us how to be delivered. Tell us how to live in victory and bring honor to our King. Hallelujah. Tell us how great God is. Tell us how good God is. Tell us what kind of God He is that we might boast in Him. Feed us with knowledge and understanding we're hungry. The vice president of Independent Assemblies of God preached in the Philippines. He's used to preaching in America. He was shocked in the Philippines. It was an outdoor service. They came to stand in the hot, sweltering, humid sun to hear the gospel. And he said there was such an anointing because they were so hungry. He said, I preached for one solid hour until I was drenched in sweat myself and ready to quit. He said, so I gave the altar call. Many people came. I thought it was over. I'm standing beside my interpreter. And, and he said, nobody moved. Nobody moved. Nobody moved. It's been an hour on your feet in the hot sun and nobody moved. They're not leaving. He said, I turned to my interpreter. Brother Wasden is the man who turned to his interpreter. Brother Clyde Wasden. And he said, he said, why aren't they going? His interpreter said they want some more. 
They want to hear some more. He, he said, I was shocked. He said, boy, back home, the church I pastor, he said, boy, they're, they're, they're looking, they're waiting. Hurry up and get done so we can get out of here. And when I say amen after praying the closing prayer, it's like the rapture took place. They're running out while he's ending the prayer. Most everybody's gone. They want more. He said, I took off my tie. Should have took it off to begin with. I took mine off today. He said, I took off my coat. What? I took off, I rolled up my sleeves. I picked up my Bible. Said the anointing came back on me. And I preached for another hour. Hallelujah. Why did that anointing come back? Because people were hungry and thirsty for righteousness. Can you say amen? And God was filling them. I want to see revival before I go home to heaven. I want to shout with the shouters and dance with the dancers. <laughs> I want to be like Miriam and pick up that tambourine. Glory to God. God is moving by His Spirit. And the last day harvest is coming. And God's raising up a church that is more hungry for Him than religious entertainment. Hallelujah. 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 I want to thank you for the times I was sick and you prayed for me. I want to thank you for every time that you gathered around me and touched me with your hands. Amen. And, and God listened. And God helped. Hallelujah. But I want to see everyone helped. I don't want the misconception, well, he's, he's Brother Venerable. Of course God's going to help. No, 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 no. I am a sheep in the pasture. He put a bell around my neck because I really love and want to follow the shepherd closely. But before I am a leader, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. And I know something about him. He's no respecter of persons. And he loves all of us as if there was only one of us. Glory to God. And around the world. I like this song to close with. No great prophetess. No great claim to fame. But a housewife. That prayed. Sought God. And said the Lord spoke to her heart. And I believe he did. Because this song has went around the world. And is still circling the globe. Among Christian communities. I love prophetic songs. Like. The Elijah song we sung, These Are the Days, that was given first as a prophecy to a person from the Lord to prophesy and then put into the music and prose. She said, I see one family of God with one purpose to praise and glorify Him in one place, praising Him spiritually in one holy place place praising God around the world you see God's getting a glorious bride ready for the coming of Jesus hallelujah so will you sing along with this song as we close today that's going around the globe amen this is not the product of some great prophet this is the product of someone who loves God and God showed them something so clear like the little 16-year-old girl, 15-year-old girl that would bring the Messiah. Simple faith, be it unto me. Look at the humility coupled with such great faith. 
be it unto me according to thy word, O God. That's why he chose her. Not because she had never sinned as some teach. We've all sinned. But because of that humble, submissive, yet powerful faith. Let's give him praise today. He's coming soon. And we need a deeper, greater revelation from the word than we've ever had to stand in these last days.